Hey there, welcome back. Let's see what Midas Touch is up to right now. <clears throat> Thanks for 170k. Jack stared him down, trying to afraid to look. Six hours ago. Trump cowardly behavior during arraignment and what went down. And my cellist from Legal AF, joined by my co-host Michael Popak on this truly historic day we are going to discuss what went down at the arraignment of donald trump today we'll talk about donald trump leaving the miami doral resort the trump resort where he occasionally lives at how he um, then left there went to the federal courthouse um, the very small crowd about 500 to a thousand people who were out there uh, we'll talk about that scene we'll talk about what went down inside the courthouse with the magistrate judge, the um, conditions that were placed, very limited uh, conditions, but nonetheless, uh, it's possible Donald Trump's already violating one of these conditions, and we'll talk and explain that, because I saw him speaking to uh, one of the witnesses, which he's not allowed to do, or he was at least in a room with his co-defendant, Walt Nauta, so I'll tease that there. And I think we also got a preview of the various defenses that Donald Trump's lawyers um, are going to try to put on. Two of Donald Trump's lawyers were uh, seated next to him during the arraignment. Todd Blanche, um, New York Wall Street white collar lawyer who also represents Donald Trump in the Manhattan District Attorney matter. Christopher Keis, uh, the lawyer uh, from Florida, who you have to have a local Florida lawyer present. So Chris Keis um, didn't do the speaking. It was Todd Blanche who did the speaking. Donald Trump pled not guilty. Um, special counsel Jack Smith was in the room. Uh, one of the top counterintelligence lawyers at the DOJ, um, Jay Bratt, that lawyer was the one who handled the proceedings for the Department of Justice. But special counsel Jack Smith was the one who got this oh, oh, videotape of him arriving in the Miami airport uh, last night. There's Jack Smith right there, and it's being reported that the entire time Jack Smith was making eye contact with Donald Trump during the arraignment until Donald Trump uh, left. The special counsel Jack Smith kept eye contact on Trump, stared at him the entire time. Donald Trump sheepishly was shrugging his shoulders, looking down, and refused to look at special counsel Jack Smith. So Giving that framework, let me toss it to my co-host, Michael Pope. Thanks, Ben. That, that's a great uh, picture you just painted. We start the day with the arrest, uh, booking, uh, and processing of Donald Trump. For those who don't know, he was under uh, custody, which means he was under arrest. Whether he was wearing cuff, uh, handcuffs, I was at cufflinks. He was wearing handcuffs or not, he was under arrest for that time, under the under the watchful eye of the federal marshal's probation department, and of course the Secret Service detail. I doubt he was handcuffed. It wasn't necessary given given this context. He came in through the underground garage and um, processed for about an hour, hour and a half, and then came into the courtroom a few minutes before 3 o'clock Eastern time, joined by two of his lawyers, as you said, Ben, Chris Keis, who's already gotten $5 million from the Save America PAC by Donald Trump, to do things up in New York related to the civil fraud case where his co-counsel there is Alina Haba, but how to get Preston to action at the last minute 
because despite interviewing a half a dozen well-known white-collar criminal defense leaders in Miami, most of which I know, all of them said no to the invitation, leaving only Chris Tice, um, who is a member, there he is there, is a member of the, of the Southern District of Florida. You have to be a member of the bar of the federal bar in which you are practicing, not just the state in which you're located. And so they pressed him into action. He actually had to move officially for Todd Blanche, the lawyer who, who also, like Chris Tice, left his major law firm to go out on his own to service one client, Donald Trump. They both have that in common, Chris Tice and Todd Blanche seen here. So the first thing that Chris Tice had to do was to move Todd Blanche in as a special limited uh, admission, what we call pro hoc vice admission, so that he can um, appear in court. That order ultimately signed by one Eileen Cannon, who approved the pro hoc vice uh, admission, also warned counsel that if they screw up in her courtroom, isn't this ironic, if they screw up in her courtroom and don't appear, um, and local counsel has to be ready to step in at a moment's time where she's going to revoke the pro hoc vice. That was from Eileen Cannon. But this was not Eileen Cannon's show today. This was the duty judge, the, ju the duty magistrate, Magistrate Goodman, who really this fell to him because I'm not making this up. Tuesday is his day as the duty magistrate for any business, any court business. And this was a twin arraignment or attempted arraignment. One, Walt Mauda, the body man valet butler who still works for Donald Trump and is working for him even as we speak at events, including back at Bedminster, still employed, still working side by side. Body man means he's as close to the president in proximity, physical proximity, uh, sorry, former president, as possible. That remains. We'll talk about the the uh, the, pre, the pretrial release conditions, about not talking to witnesses and how that's really going to play out when your boss is talking to Walt Nauta. Here, you, this is the body man. You can't get any closer than him fixing a shirt collar uh, for Donald Trump, obviously unable to fix his own shirt collar at a golf tournament or, or wherever they were in Doral, that's Walt Nauta, and that's a problem. Now, Walt Nauta had his own problems in finding local counsel. Nobody wants to touch this case that, that's credible with a 10-foot pole in Miami. No one. And so Walt Nauta's attorney, uh, Stan Woodward, who's a practicing attorney up in Baltimore, he couldn't find local counsel either. In fact, they couldn't even technically do Walt Nauta's arraignment, which was weird. The magistrate judge let him out under the same conditions as Donald Trump, no bail, no bond, and reset his arraignment to the 27th of January, telling him he can phone it in. And then joked, the magistrate joked, but you won't be arraigned in front of me because it'll be whoever the duty judge is on the 27th of, of June. So you had that going on. And then you had Jay Bratt representing the, the government. Uh, as you said, Ben, Jack Smith really staring a hole into Donald Trump. If this was like the boys and a laser beam, it would have taken Donald, uh, Donald Trump's head off um, there, which I thought was a very compelling uh, a physical presence to be in the room. You know, the, the now, um, you know, he's no longer a myth or a legend. He's a legend. He's no longer a myth. He exists. He's running the show. He's in the courtroom. And everybody knows it, including Donald Trump, who sat there, as you said, skulking with his arms folded. What did we learn in terms of the bond and bail release? We learned that uh, he's got a requirement now, Donald Trump, not to talk to witnesses, including Walt Nauta, about this case. Now, the, 
the magistrate understood how difficult that is and, and difficult to enforce, frankly. He said, I know that you guys work together, in effect, but you can't talk about this case. And you can't talk to other witnesses that the special counsel's office will identify to you at a later time. Those witnesses you can't talk to either. But how the government polices this and how any magistrate polices this, considering literally Walt Nauta is right now shining Donald Trump's shoes, is very, very difficult. And I want to hear your opinion on that. While that was going on inside the courtroom, and, um, and no new date yet set that we, that we know of for motion practice in the future, um, and uh, the, 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 the trial has not been set, that will all be at a later time. This was really for arraignment. The reading of the 31 counts against Donald Trump um, and having him acknowledge and plead not guilty. Or as the lawyer, uh, the lawyer Chris Tice said, uh, or no, it was uh, uh, Blanche, uh, we absolutely, uh, affirmatively plead not guilty as if that matters. If we just take that down with a check of a box, okay, not guilty, great. Uh, and that's, that was the end of the proceeding. What did you, what was your observations, Ben, of what we've learned so far about what transpired? in a 30-minute or so arraignment? Well, here are kind of the highlights. Um, he pled not guilty. The lawyers for Donald Trump waived reading of the indictment, so it was a fairly uh, quick proceeding. Uh, special counsel Jack Smith, um, the, the team there on behalf of the DOJ, uh, did not make any requests about travel restrictions. Um, and I think they did it for a specific reason. I think yeah. they realized that the limited restriction that Donald Trump has, which is Donald Trump a big one because he violates all of the rules, um, specifically that Trump can have no contact with any of the witnesses, including his co-defendant and aide Walt Nauta, who he was eating with at the BLT restaurant uh, last night, and who, by the way, after uh, this arraignment took place, Donald Trump, you know, we all saw him at a famous Cuban restaurant in Miami, and I saw Walt Nauta basically standing within five feet of Donald Trump, which may be a violation of this order already. Um, to your point, ultimately, how is that going to be enforced? Is it going to have to be by communication or whatever? But I think, um, does it have to be actually, you know, them speaking? Is it, they can't have any contact. They can't be in the same room or in the same uh, vicinity. They are allowed to communicate, though, through lawyers can have communications with the other lawyers of, uh, of witnesses like Walt Nauta's lawyer. I guess when he gets a, a Florida lawyer, he's got a lawyer from the other state who you mentioned could contact Donald Trump's lawyer and they could speak that way. But Trump didn't need to surrender his passport. Um, there was no limit on international travel, no limit on firearms, but the restriction on no contact um, with witnesses. Um, and think about who the witnesses are, though. Like, all of the people who we've talked about on Legal AF and on the other Midas Touch shows who have went before the grand jury, right? We're talking about people like Alina Haba. She's a witness, right? Uh, Christina Bob, she's a witness. She was the one who signed the attestation under penalty of perjury, telling the Department of Justice that all classified information and top secret information and sensitive department information, uh, sensitive departmental information was all returned on June 3rd when it absolutely wasn't returned, so she's a witness. Evan Corcoran, Donald Trump's other lawyer, is a witness. All the staff at Mar-a-Lago, from the maintenance worker to the servers at the restaurant, right, those are types of people who went before the, the grand jury. The people who handle the surveillance 
uh, footage all the way through the Trump Organization with um, Calamari Sr. and Calamari Jr., I mean, their witnesses. So ultimately fleshing out how that is going to play itself out is something that uh, interests me and intrigues me. And also one of my overall observations, again, was um, a very small crowd in front of the courthouse, not the type of crowd that I think Donald Trump would have wanted, and a, and a crowd kind of filled mostly with some of the kind of super ultra-mega crazy people. You know, there was one person who had like a pole with a dead pig's head on it. You had a few uh, 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 older women who were, I guess, Trump supporters wearing uh, shirts that said, like, Blacks for Trump 2020, uh, older white women wearing that shirt. And so it was a, you know, kind of the the kind of circus MAGA crowd that was there. That's the, uh, with the backwards Trump flag. And it was that kind of crew who was there, and that is the modern-day Republican Party. This photo that we're showing you right now is one of the people who wears the American flag, a guy wearing it as a dress with a, uh, a stick that has a pig, a big, tall stick with a pig's head, dead pig's head on it. I mean, like, what, what, what in the world is uh, going on there? But in all the Trump flag type stuff. But we're talking about a crowd of about 500 to uh, 1,000 people, not a big crowd, very kind of low energy. Um, I think good that it was an eventful. I think there was a few counter-protesters ultimately who were uh, arrested. Um, but those are my big takeaways. And of course, that special counsel Jack Smith was there and the reporting that Jack Smith was staring at Donald Trump the entire time. Um, staring at him and Donald Trump, like, for all of his bravado and bluster, Trump looked frustrated throughout his arraignment. He folded his arms and refolded his arms throughout with a constant frown on his face, is how Hugo Lowe, a reporter from The Guardian, uh, described it. And we've always said this on Legal AF, like, when you confront the traitor, when you confront the bully, Donald Trump actually is a very scared, cowardly individual and always uh, backs down. Those are my big observations. Yeah, I think there's two campaigns that are now going on simultaneously as Maggie Haberman and the New York Times also reported. One of them is um, him just Donald Trump just keeping up his, his, his uh, arranged, staged public appearances even after coming out of the courthouse. Um, I've been to that restaurant on Calle Ocho on 8th Street in Miami. It is the uh, epicenter of the Cuban exile community. I've been to Versailles, the restaurant, where he ended up today. Um, used to be one of my favorite restaurants. <laughs> it may no longer be. Uh, but that was all staged for him to have some buoyant uh, rally-like experience just on the way out before he hit the airport. This is actually quite near the airport in Miami um, and stopped off there with, you know, people praying for him. And if I had to pick one place in Miami where people would break into even spontaneous cheering for Donald Trump, this would probably be it. The Republican Party has done a great job over the last 10 years at convincing the Cuban exile community, who haven't supported a Democrat since the Bay of Pigs um, and after uh, John F. Kennedy, that all Democrats are Marxist, socialists, and communists. And so that is a place where you're going to get a group of people like that spontaneously to do the things that we saw. That's campaign number one. We'll see Bedminster later today. They've already sent up. Uh, they've already set up flag bunting and white chairs for another rally they're going to be doing tonight. 
I assure you, this this prayer that you're now seeing a photograph of, I've seen it on YouTube. It was all in Spanish. Donald Trump doesn't under, doesn't know a word this guy is saying to him until he said amen and everybody clapped and applauded. Um, and then the second campaign is this this floating out all these nonsense defenses that will that's I guess sound good in sound bites on right wing uh, media reporting, but will not work inside of the courtroom. Just to show how that works, Alina Hoppe was the head clown in the circus outside of the courtroom today, the courthouse today. She had she wasn't anywhere near the inside the courtroom doing any real legal work. This 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 is a perfect example of what we're talking about. There is the charade of what's going on on TV and on the street, led by people like Alina Haba and Carrie Lake. And there's the reality of the justice system that's going on inside of a courtroom. So these defenses are just made-up paper defenses that won't work. First one is that, um, oh, here she is, here's Alina Haba uh, with her white outfit, obviously staged, um, doing her best legal work on the uh, sidewalk in front of the courthouse. That's where she belongs, and that's where she should stay. Um, so uh, the first one is that the attorney-client privilege that two federal judges, chief judges of the D.C. Circuit Court, stripped from Donald Trump related to people like Evan Corcoran. Evan Corcoran is going to be a lead witness in front of a jury at the appropriate time, a former lawyer for Donald Trump, head lawyer for all things Mar-a-Lago. It's not just his notes that he took that are now in Jack Smith's hands or the audio that he recorded of himself talking about his own case. He is going to testify live against Donald Trump at the appropriate time. And so they want to attack the attorney-client privilege having been stripped. But two federal judges after a hearing found that the crime fraud exception applied because Donald Trump, at least one of them found, Donald Trump was more likely than not having committed a crime in using his lawyer um, and uh, misusing his lawyer in the Mar-a-Lago document retention search and secreting issue. And Donald Trump had every opportunity to take an appeal. Sometimes he took appeals on these issues and lost. Sometimes he didn't take appeals and waived, and the Supreme Court didn't step in. So this is, as far as I'm concerned, a folder dash. This is, this is just for people who aren't taking advantage of the followers of Donald Trump, who don't take it, who don't read the indictment, who don't know anything other than what they're spoon-fed and what they're plugged directly into their brain. Um, uh, and that's all they understand. So they're taking advantage of gullible people. That's not going to work, that defense. Second one is selective prosecution. It's a whole bunch of whataboutism. What about Pence? What about Biden and the garage door that goes up and down? What about uh, Obama and all the documents he took for his um, presidential library? This has nothing to do with the documents that are found uh, inadvertently in somebody's garage. It has to do with hiding, obstructing, secreting, and having a conspiracy to, to hold your documents that don't belong to you and belong to the American people. And that is what the crime is. As I've said before, it's not about the cookie jars in your house. It's about your hand being caught in the cookie jar. And that's the difference. So that's the second one. Selective prosecution, what about ism? That's going to fail as well. Um, and so uh, what's the – there's a third one, though, Ben, that I've talked about, uh, that they're floating left and right. Let me see if I can pull it. Pr the prosecutorial misconduct? Oh, yeah. Thank you. So this is the one I did a hot take on. I think you had mentioned it as well. Uh, you've got this BS story that Jay, Br Jay Bratt, who's going to be the lead, lead trial lawyer, apparently, for, here he is, for the uh, – great glasses. 
uh, the government for the prosecution. He's also the head counterintelligence lawyer for the Department of Justice. He's going to take the lead in this case. He had a meeting. It's public. He had a meeting with the lawyer that was in the courtroom today for Walt Mauda, Stan Woodward, a, a lawyer you know, pretty well respected up in Baltimore in a small boutique shop that does criminal defense work, usually on the right, on the right wing side. And he says, um, the, the lawyer says that during their initial meeting, talk about Walt Mauda testifying on behalf of the government against Donald Trump, or get indicted yourself, which is what happens. Great work by the lawyer there. That they said, in, you know, well, listen, I don't know much about you, but I did a little of my own research before you came in. Totally appropriate. I see, you know, you're a local lawyer. I'm, I'm surprised. I don't see you as a Trumper. I'm surprised you're really getting involved with this. And by the way, I also see that you're running for a municipal judge. Is that you want to be a municipal judge? They took that to mean that Jay Pratt was trying to bribe Stan Woodward, who wrote a letter and objected to this to a judge and said, I felt like I was being bribed, that if I didn't play ball with the government and make my client cooperate, that I wasn't I was gonna be denied a municipal judgeship. Okay, newsflash. Prosecutors don't have any sway over who gets picked as a municipal judge, and neither does Joe Biden um, in that regard. So I don't know what pressure you thought you were under. And secondly, all they wanted you to do was to have your client cooperate to avoid being indicted. And you didn't do that, and instead your client got indicted. And now that we've seen the evidence in the indictment related to your client, you should have cut that deal. This is me talking now to Stan Woodward. So this whole, oh, the prosecutorial misconduct, nothing that I have read or heard about that interaction between Jay Pratt, his team, and the lawyer for Walt Mauda rises to the level of prosecutorial yeah. misconduct to overcome the mountain of evidence, that is all, that, which is just a small part, that's listed chapter and verse in the indictment. Well, and here's the one final point, though, that I think is important with all of the, we believe to be uh, defenses that totally lack, uh, completely, utterly lack merit. Um, as of right now, Judge Eileen Cannon is still the judge presiding over this matter. Um, but as you mentioned earlier uh, in this uh, video, Judge Eileen Cannon has already made orders uh, regarding Pro Hoc Vitae applications ability for out-of-state lawyers to participate in state. She's uh, issued orders that are um, instructive in nature, no real kind of substantive order yet. Um, but normally when a judge would self-recuse, they would do that before they issue any orders. So the fact that she's issuing orders, I think, is a signal that she's not going to recuse herself. That's the only way you could read that with all of the available data. Um, However, Can I ask you a question on that? Yep. I want to get your view on that. When do you think the government moves to disqualify her? Do they wait for the first bad decision, or do they do that when they are before the first appearance in front of them? You know, I think they would do that sooner than later. Um, you know, the uh, you don't want to make yourself vulnerable to kind of a like a latches defense that you kind of sat on it so you know whether there's a time limit and I'd have to go into the local rules as well to see if there's local rules requirements within the local rules there are district rules requirements um, but overall I, I don't think the Department of Justice would wait that's something that they would promptly file before their first appearance before the federal judge and I agree with I you. think 
I think they have a little time because this was just before the magistrate met, but before they file any substantive motion or do anything there, that's what I'm going to be looking out for. That decision, I believe, would be appealable to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. We've talked about the case um, United States versus Martin, which talks about a multiple disqualification, a multiple a situation of disqualification where the judge was overturned multiple times by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. But I just think Special Counsel Jack Smith is weighing whether or not filing that right now um, makes you know sense, or do you you know because this involves classified records, there's going to be a lot of decisions that are being made regarding SEPA, the Classified Information Procedures Act. Uniquely in those situations, a lot of those decisions are appealable to the 11th Circuit. So there is a situation here where if she makes bad orders regarding the various SEPA-related issues about how classified information is handled, that may trigger this U.S. versus Martin case law as well. So I, I still say this, that Special Counsel Jack Smith has done everything beyond, beyond diligently. And so I, I, I still have full confidence right now in, um, in, in this prosecution regardless. But, um, you know, we will keep everybody posted. Final words, Michael Popak, before we go. Yeah, on the count of things, I know it's, it's very, very um, troubling and agitating to our audience. So I think you're right. Um, the reason I think you're right is that you, you don't want to walk into that line of cases that says bad decisions that you're getting is not bias. They already have now, based on the prior two bad rulings in which he interfered with the criminal ongoing criminal investigation at the search warrant level, which the 11th Circuit told her that was you're not you're not supposed to do that ever, and also the subsequent one about the special master that she established to look through the the, the, the boxes of documents on classified as if that would give uh, Donald Trump any relief at that a moment before he was even a criminal target, let alone an, now an indicted uh, arrested defendant, based on as you said those those twin things they already have the grounds now. I think they're just waiting. I don't think they're going to wait for, hey, let's see what happens when the other side files a motion for to dismiss the indictment and we get a bad ruling. Because I think you're right. It, I, I think you want to go under the Martin line of cases, not the other line of cases about, oh, I just got a bad ruling, so now you know, I'm, I'm throwing a temper tantrum trying to get rid of my judge. Because that's not what the Department of Justice will be doing here. They have grounds now to have her recused and speak up that way. Thank you, everybody, for watching this update on all that happened during the arraignment, all that we know up until this point. Of course, this is a rapidly moving, breaking news story. So as news develops, make sure you're subscribed to the Midas Touch Network. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Legal AF podcast, wherever podcasts are available. Um, as soon as we get our hands on the transcript of the proceedings, we will make sure that we... Um, do a video on that. We'll read the full uh, transcript to you or as much of it uh, as uh, we can. Um, and thank you again for watching this. Hit subscribe on our uh, YouTube channel right now. And again, a special shout out to the Midas Mighty. Have a great day. Lock him up. Indictment season is upon us. Celebrate with the new indictment season t-shirt and v-neck exclusively at store.midastouch.com.